Welcome to First Reading, the Old Testament lectionary podcast for preachers and for anyone else who loves the Hebrew Scriptures. I'm Tim McNinch. And I'm Rachel Wren. We're both preachers who love the Old Testament, and we are Hebrew Bible PhD students at Emory University. So if you're looking for dorks to help you with your sermon prep, we're your dorks. Good endorsement, but I don't think we'll put that one on our website. Fair enough. Now, next week we have our full pot of organic, fair trade, artisanal coffee type of episode featuring the inimitable Dr. Mark V. Brettler. This week we have a, a mini episode for you, just a, a little sort of small cup of gas station coffee on Psalm 67. So Rachel, what you got for us this week? Really, Tim? I'm gas station coffee today. You got to be espresso last week. All right, I see where we stand here. All right, Psalm 67. So it starts with this superscription, which I just wanted to draw quick attention to. For the leader, with instrumental music, a psalm, a song. We know very little about how psalms were actually used or how they actually came about very, very early on when they were originally being used. But when people say that the psalms were likely sung, it's hints like this, it's clues in the text that link it to instrumental music, which tell us that either they were originally sung or very early on, as they were handed down from generation to generation, they were linked to song and were sung or put to music in some way. This psalm is a communal song of praise, and I want to lift that up because keeping that communal framework, I think, is going to be essential to preaching this psalm. So keep that in the back of your mind. The structure goes two verses, and then three verses, and then two verses. The first two verses deal with us. May God be gracious to us. The uh, middle three verses really deal more with the peoples and the nations more broadly. And then the psalm expands in the last two verses to the earth itself. And right in the middle is verse four, which is bracketed by the exact same words on either side. Verses three and verses five are exactly the same. So it's really lifting up this verse four as really like, hey, pay attention here, folks, the psalm is saying to us. So, Tim, do you know what the oldest surviving biblical text is? Well, I would guess um, Song of Deborah. Good guess. Song of the Sea. No, also good guess. Uh, so, in a burial cave outside of Jerusalem called Ketef Hinnom, they found two tiny silver scrolls, and they had excerpts of the Aaronic blessing written on them, Aaron's blessing. And they were probably, the best guess is they were written somewhere just before Jerusalem was destroyed by the Babylonians, about 600 years before Jesus, and probably around 300 years before our earliest paper or parchment version of the Bible in the Dead Sea Scrolls. The Aaronic blessing, Aaron's blessing, can be found in the Bible in Numbers 6, verses 22 to 26, and it sounds very similar to the opening of our psalm here. God says, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the Israelites. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace which sounds very reminiscent of the beginning of our psalm here. May God be gracious to us and bless us. May he show us favor. 
Now, this that ironic blessing is always really uh, powerful when I hear it because it's the one that I said every single week at the end of service when I was done. That was the blessing that I gave to my people. So it, it mm. goes deep for me. Um, and in fact, I think it's the one that my dad has always used too for you know 30 odd years now as a pastor. Um, so it's kind of fun that that blessing is the oldest extant biblical text that we have. Um, kind of this neat. But what's also important to note is the purpose of this blessing. So we get the request for the blessing in verse 1, and then in verse 2, it says, So that, be gracious to us, bless us, show us favor, so that your way might be known on earth and your salvation among the nations. This is what one of my seminary professors used to call an exclusive move for an inclusive end. Bless us, Lord God, so that the nations around us might benefit. And benefit from what? Well, here's where we get to that inclusio in the middle of the psalm. Benefit from the God who rules peoples with equity, who guides the nations of the earth. I I think, you know, way carries so many different connotations. um, That word derech in Hebrew carries so many different connotations and shows up in so many different places in the Bible. But here I see of like all roads leading to the center point, which is God, God, the just ruler, God, the guide. And that's where the psalm is leading to as well. It's leading to highlight that divine ruler who will bless the entire world. In verses six to seven, we return to riff on the themes of the first two verses, um, asking for a blessing. May the earth yield its produce. May God bless us so that God can be revered to the ends of the earth. So the sermon angle that I would preach at this psalm is blessing with a purpose. Bless us so your way might be visible to all nations. It's similar to the promised blessing God gave Abraham in Genesis 12 verses 1 through 4. I will bless you and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. It's an exclusive move for an inclusive end. And in an age of hashtag blessed, it's important to remember that in many cases, biblical blessings had a purpose, which was that so others around you might be blessed. How does it change the way we view the things in our lives that we casually call blessings if we think of them as for the purpose of others? And no judgment here. I do the same thing. There is really something very powerful about experiencing an overwhelming sense of gratitude for things that you just kind of feel like you've been given and, and are, you know, bless your life. There's really no other way to talk about it. There's nothing wrong with calling these things blessings. But what might it do to our spiritual growth to reflect on how God might be wanting us to use those blessings for the purposes of those around us? Now, a couple of preaching pitfalls. Don't jump too quickly to the individual blessing here. This is where I said it's so important to remember this is a communal psalm. If you're preaching to a community, keep it in that register. We have been blessed so that those around us might be blessed. And what are those opportunities that God is calling us to? The second thing to remember is that if you're thinking the New Testament, especially Paul, blessing often includes suffering. And this can be a dangerous thing to preach because you cannot control how people will hear or understand suffering. Um, And if you have someone in an abusive relationship in your congregation, you obviously don't want to 
um, reify or to cement that uh, belief that some victims of abuse have that um, they are going through this for the benefit of their abuser. But at the same time, blessings don't necessarily mean, when you're talking about blessings in the Bible, wealth or just wealth. But often, like Paul talks about, he is blessed in his suffering so that others might come to Christ. So those are a couple of things to keep in mind if you choose to preach on blessing this week. Yeah, I like the way that the the blessing is talked about in this psalm. I was just looking at uh, verse 7 in Hebrew, which is probably 6 in English. Mm -hmm. uh, something like, may the earth yield its produce. That blessing here in the psalm is not about um, extravagance or accumulating wealth. Uh, and it's not even so much about, like, the, like you were saying, that an individual sort of interior peace of mind. Or at least it's not only that. Here it's about something as mundane and essential as provision. Mm-hmm. Which, which makes me think of Jesus's daily bread, you know, in, in the prayer that God would provide what, just, you know, what we need for today. The, mm -hmm. And that uh, that's the kind of blessing that this prayer is asking for, for those who are praying and for the world, mm -hmm. for the nations around. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, yeah. And what does it do? Uh, how does it change the way we think about the nations around us when we pray for not only our daily bread, but theirs as well? Yeah. Well, that sounds like a great note to end our conversation on today. Thanks so much for your thoughts, Rachel. Yeah, it was fun. Now remember, next week is our full episode with Dr. Mark Brettler. You don't want to miss it. It's a great conversation. Yes, it is. You can always check out more of our stuff on firstreadingpodcast.com. Leave us a message. Tell us who you are, what you think, what your favorite coffee is. Need some caffeine, Tim? Always. <laughs> Until next week, I'm Tim McNidge. And I'm Rachel Wren. Happy preaching.